0: Welcome to the Raid the Roof, the Walls podcast. Andy and Joe here with you again. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome to to, to 2024.
1: Hi, that does not sound right.
0: It's, yeah. I, we're in all these years that just sound futuristic still. I don't know. I mean, we we it should start kicking in that it's just normal at some point, but it hadn't happened. Um, Do you think know what was felt like in the 1920s? Like, did they just feel like, oh, man. They're called the Roaring Twenties, like things were going, so I don't know. I don't well,
1: know. Uh, yeah, up until 29 when the bottom fell out, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, well, we don't want to think No. about that. I, I, I just get, you know, like, I can remember That's Y2K, uh, and we were so <clears throat> nervous and worried about that, and here we are literally 24 years later. <clears throat> computers seem to be working fine most of the time, so.
0: Uh, yes. Well, yeah, as well as they ever do, so um, they're not they're not freaking out about what year it is. I'm sure. Will there be a Y? Will there be a a Y three K? When I don't the know. I 3, don't think 000? I will have when to I, worry I mean, about around. being
1: around for that. Yeah, I don't if, have to
0: worry about it. If time.
1: Jesus hadn't come back, then uh, I, we will we will not be in any place to worry about it. I don't think we'll be in a place where they have computers. So I'm, I'm happy. <laughs>
0: I, we don't have to worry about the year twenty one hundred, let alone the year three thousand. So I mean, no, that's I, true. I, I don't. I don't think I'm living to one hundred and nineteen. I'm not sure. I don't. And I don't
1: and think, I don't think I'll live to be hundred. At what? That would make me hundred and forty nine. so.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, speaking of not worrying about things, uh, we are <laughs> looking at Psalm twenty three this week. Uh, we're on a passage, so uh, let me let me read this real quick. Uh, although most of you are probably pretty familiar. Um, I'm going to read from the NIV, which will mess some of you up, because you're going to quote King James in your head, because this is one of those passages that we all have heard so many times that yep. this is one of the KJV passages yep. in a lot of our heads. But I'm going to read out of this anyway. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort come for me. You prepare a table before me in the clothes. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So, very familiar passage, but uh, we're still going to dive in here. Hopefully, point some things out, but uh, take it away, Pops.
1: Well, I, I, you know, to me, one of the reasons I want to look at this, we so associate this with funerals. I mean, we do. <laughs> I mean, this. I don't know how many times I have used this passage, uh, particularly at gravesides. Um, but I think it's a passage that's not intended just for funerals, because I think it's a passage that really talks about who God is, what He does for us, and and who we are in Him. I mean, he starts out with the Lord is my shepherd. Um, and I, I read a book several years ago. It's the best book I ever read on the 23rd Psalm. And it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by by Philip Keller. And it really opened my eyes to this relationship between sheep and the shepherd. Uh, I think we tend to think of sheep today as just an animals that you kill to get and in where we used to live, you used to get mutton um, or lamb chops or things like that. But, you know, in, in Jesus' <laughs> day, a, lo- a lot of the sheep were kept for their wool. And so they were a valuable product, not just in a season of them growing, but over a period of several years. So the shepherd was the one who provided all that the sheep needed, protected them, Um and that's Jesus for us. I mean, he says in John chapter ten, "I'm the good shepherd." Um, and literally, the shepherd was the life of these sheep. If the shepherd did not, if he was not a good shepherd, if he didn't take care of his sheep, then uh, the sheep did not survive. And I think about in Colossians three, three, uh, chapter three, and verses three and four, where Paul says, "Jesus, who will soon appear, is your life." Um, We've died, and our life is to be hidden in God. So in Christ, who is your life, appears, then we also appear with him in glory. I think a lot of the times we we tend to think of, oh, yeah, God's over here. He's a nice guy. When I need him, I'll call on him. But most of the time, we can live without it. But in reality, if we are the sheep, which we are called sheep many, 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 many times in Scripture, which kind of bothers me because sheep aren't the brightest animals in the farmyard, but that's who we are. And if we don't have him as our good shepherd, we don't survive. Literally, we don't survive. And I think sometimes that gets lost as, as in the psalm. He's saying, hey, I'm what you need to live. And if you don't have me, you're not going to have life.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we we make God a lot of things, you know, um, God, you know. God, one of my least fit. God is my co-pilot. Like, sorry, uh, yeah. no offense if You have this sticker. <laughs> on card. God's I, like say, I know somebody who okay? used to have that. Like, um, you know, like, like no. T- I mean, I get the sentiments. I get the idea, sort of. But no, like that's that's putting me way too equal. Like, I'm not a co-pilot with God as if I'm on the same level. Like no. sheep and shepherd are not on the same level. Right. Um, I'm the sheep. I'm as you pointed out. I'm I'm the dumb animal uh, that needs lots of guidance. Um, that literally has to be grabbed by the neck. Say no, don't go over there. Occasionally, um, you know, I, I need God. I, I, like how you put it. Like I need Him on a daily basis. This isn't just the you know. Sometimes the reason we use this, I can go be with God, and He'll give me this rest and this peaceful thing, and 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 we act like this is just a picture of our eternal existence with God. Of death and enemies once I get to heaven. Sorry, those things are gone. Um, those things don't, that's, that's my life now. I have to walk through some dark valleys. I have to live out here in a world full of people that are enemies of God and therefore enemies of, of me in some ways that, that, that don't understand me and that might be against me at times. But I don't have to worry about those things here and now because God's with me, you know, and that's, that's a here and now. Um, and that's not, that's not God falling short. That's me not letting him be my shepherd. Yeah. That's me being the dumb sheep who's trying to wander off and do things myself and say, all right, God, I'll see you later. Um, when I need you, we'll be there. No, no, I need him now Yeah, every day. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I knew who Jesus was. I knew he had died on the cross. Like I, I was saved and had a relationship with him, but not until I got to college and fell flat on my face in like basically every area of my life, um, could I really understand how I need you now, like for all this stuff, like I'm not capable of anything. Like Jesus tells us, you can do nothing apart from me. And we don't really yeah. believe him. And um, we've talked about this before. Like, Well, God, I can do, I can do solemn. I can, I can do a little, no, I can do nothing apart from Jesus. Nothing that is worthwhile, nothing that matters, nothing that actually adds value. Like that is all from him. Um. Yeah. And so that's why I need a shepherd every single day to take care of me, to look yeah. after me. Um, yeah. And when I have him, I lack nothing. I have everything I need. And so mm-hmm. that's that's who our shepherd is. It's an everyday, yeah. right here, right now relationship. Yeah.
1: And, and then the, the rest of this chapter is basically him saying, as a good shepherd, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, verse two, he leads us to green pastures, or he leads us to what satisfies yeah. us. <laughs> you know, if we're out there on our own, we're going to go to what we think satisfies us, but it won't, because he's the only one who knows what really satisfies us. But then this next one, he leads us beside still waters. Now I didn't know this, but sheep will not drink from water that's moving. If there's a ripple in it, or if it's a flowing stream, they have to go to this pool of water that is there, there's no movement in it, or they're so stupid, they run away from it. So when he says he's going to lead us beside still waters he's leading us into something that that will satisfy that need and we won't run from it and i think we've run from god a whole lot we we you know here's what i know god wants no i don't want that so i'm going to run the other way and you know in in luke chapter 15 jesus tells the parable about the shepherd who had to go look for that sheep out there by itself because if he didn't it would it would be destroyed And so this verse, it was really interesting because when I read this verse last week about leading us to green pastures, they eat grass, leading us to still water so we can drink. I thought about John 5 and verses 53 through 56, where Jesus says to his disciples, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in him. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and will raise up. And, will raise, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. In other words, Jesus will provide everything we need, like you said. We won't have a, a, a need that's out there that he's not satisfying. And if we have something that we think is a need, and he's not satisfying it, then it's not literally a ge- legitimate need. You know, I was in a Bible study this morning where we were talking about Second Tim, uh, First Timothy six, I think it's ten, where he says the love of money is the is a root of all kinds of evil. And there's a lot of needs that the world says. I mean, if you watch, if you watch commercials, everything out there that is for sale, you need, you really do, you know. I, there, my favorite commercial lately has been it's a Toyota commercial where the guy comes up and he says, now after the holidays, I need to buy a truck so I can have a, 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 a good weekend and enjoy a weekend. And I'm thinking, who go buys a truck to enjoy a weekend? No, you know, but that's <laughs> that's where we have reached in our culture today. If I have a need, I need to go out and buy something to meet that need. And Jesus is saying, no, it's me my flesh, my blood, that is really going to meet that need. And so when he's talking about leading us besides those green pastures and still waters, it's, that's what we need. And where do we find that? We're, we find that need and are satisfied with that need in Jesus and Jesus alone.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's very telling. It, verse was stuck out to me, like coming right off that. Like, he's the thing we need. He, he's going to provide this. He's going to bring this. And then he guides me along those right paths. Yeah. Why? For his mm-hmm. name's name like it comes back to him. Like stop. We, we, we make a lot of ourselves as sheep sometimes. Um, like, Oh, I am so good. God, God wants to do this for me. God, God needs me. God loves, like we build ourselves up in this. And, and yes, I, the thing that gives me value is how much God loves me. Yes. Not the other way around. We, we, we make it the other way around sometimes that we think of all these good things we do and all these good things we have to offer God. And Oh, see, this is why he loves me. no, I bring nothing to this relationship. I bring nothing to the table. My value is found in the fact that I am his sheep and that he loves me and cares about me. And so he provides this for me and he does this for me because he gets the glory for it this way too. Like this, this is what it's all about. It all comes back to Jesus um, because he does these things for his namesake and guides me along these paths so that other people can see, Hey, look at this person, look what they have. And we can go, yeah, this isn't me. This is him. This is right. Jesus. This is what it looks like to, to live in this, this relationship, to, to let him have us lie down in those green pastures and those quiet waters and, and such. Um, I can't imagine what it's like for God trying to deal with all these sheep that are so picky about their food. I've never dealt with anyone that's picky about their food um, Oh no. since the last time that my son ate. So, um, you know, but we, we get so... You know, uh, we can get so picky about things and get so just obnoxious, I'm sure, to him that he's like, all right, this is where you need to get. And we, we fight it and we go against it. And yet he continues to lead us. He continues to guide us. And, and it's not, it, it's so that people can see him through us that we and he can see yeah. the change that it makes for us to yeah. have this relationship and learn to feed off of him and learn to to draw our life from him. Um, And yeah. that I love that he, he refreshes our soul. Like that's, yeah. That's the one, like, all these, like, I can, you know, green pad, we're eating, we're drinking, but like, no, it, it's more than that when it comes yes. to, like, we have this, this rest, this refreshment that, that can only be found in him.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the book of Hebrews talks about physical rest, but it also talks about rest that goes beyond the physical, where I am actually, my life is resting in him. And that's when, yeah, in verse three, he restores our soul. I mean, we can be physically healthy, we can be mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, but if if our spiritual life is in chaos, if it's not good, then the rest of us isn't good. And he restores our soul. And he does that by leading us in paths of righteousness. Um, and you're right, it's not, it, it, it's, it's for his namesake, so that people can look at your life and my life and go, oh, that's not Joe and Andy. That's Jesus at work in their lives. Cause I know them, and that ain't them they don't have that kind of wisdom or they don't have that kind of <laughs> peace in their life they don't you know and and when i read verse 3 really brought me back to 2 Corinthians 5:17 where where he talks about that he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of god it's not that we find the path of righteousness no he restores our soul as our good shepherd we find him and then he makes us righteous, and shows us that righteous way to live. And out of that righteousness, we are holy. But again, you know, 1 Peter 1:15, but he who called you is holy uh, because he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So my righteousness and my holiness is not because I'm so good or I live right or I have good self-discipline. and And no, it's because God has made me that. And as he's restoring who I am, meaning he's reforming that image of Christ, that righteous, holy image of Christ in me, then he's doing the work to make me. My job's just to cooperate, you know, uh, to eat the food and not feel entitled that I I deserve other stuff or I want other stuff, but let him take that that direction in my life, yes. And, yeah, I love it because he says, it's for my name's sake. So, you know, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, do it to the glory of God, not pointing people to me because our job is to point people to him, not ourselves.
0: Yeah. And then and then we get to my favorite verse, uh, the one I love to point out to people the most, uh, because because that's just me. Um, even though I walked through the, the darkest valley or the valley of death, the way that we all, all grew up learning it in the King James, like I said, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff that come to me like the two things that, that I think people miss. We still go through the dark valley. Like, yeah. this is not like, he doesn't say, even though I won't make you walk, you don't make me walk through the dark. No, we go through the dark valley. So we're still there in the shadow of death. We're still in, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis says it best, because, well, he does <laughs> lot, lots of things, best, but you got to get through some things. But this one, you know, you know, all the time, the Chronicles of Narnia, they're talking about Aslan, and someone asks, "Well, is he safe?" And, well, of course he's not safe, but he's hey. good. You know, and no Jesus. Yes. Following Jesus is not safe. We're going to no. go through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes, but he's good and he's with us, and that's why we're not afraid. We're, we're not afraid because there's not scary things surrounding us. Right. We're not afraid because oh well, the valley of death's not real. This isn't this isn't like when my a, a kid has a nightmare and thinks there's just a monster in his closet. Like no, there's nothing in your closet. There's nothing to be afraid of. No, we have things we should be afraid of that logically are scary that are there that are real and god doesn't say okay just avoid those things at all cost that 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 is never something god tells us oh no just go around just skip that no no he says no don't worry i'm with you every time i mean the most repeated command in the bible is don't be afraid don't be afraid and it always has the same reason why we're not afraid because i'm with you because i'm here because i'm with you like it's not that those things aren't scary. It's not that they don't exist. It's not that they couldn't do us harm, but God's with us. And so we're okay. That's that's yeah. what Jesus tells the disciples every time they're freaking out in some boat out on the stormy sea, which why <laughs> yes. does anybody get in the Sea of Galilee? Because every time somebody <laughs> did it in the Bible, there's a storm that almost kills people. I don't know why they keep going out there. Um, but it's okay to go out there with Jesus because when he's with us, he's got us. And that's that's the key. And that's that's where this one really falls off the rails for this like funeral future passage. Like, no, no, this yeah. is here
1: now. Yeah,
0: because I'm with you, you don't have to be afraid of these scary things that are right. all around.
1: Uh, I think they got in the boat on the sea galley for the same reason I get in an airplane, which I think is a crazy thing to do. <laughs> but I know God's <laughs> going to be with me to get me through that. Um, one of the things I have come to know, the older I get, is that I'm going to die. And yeah, I know you don't like me to talk about this. I got it but I'm going to die someday. Unless Jesus raptures me, which I'm voting for, I'm going to die. And the older I get, the more I realize I am closer to that than I've ever been. Um, you know, January, for, or New Year's Eve was really, not New Year, yeah, New Year's Eve was really interesting because your mother looked at me and she said, how come I feel kind of sad? And I said, I don't know, I, I kind of feel melancholy too. And I think it's because as the years passed, you know that valley of the shadow of death. The valley's getting closer, let's put it that way. But yeah, either we're gonna face our death or we're gonna face the death of people that we love. I mean, you know, I've my, both my parents, my sister, my brother in law, these were people that were important to me. I've I've the hardest funerals I've ever done were people in my church who I was close to. These were friends. You know, one of the closest guys in the world, a guy named Bob every morning he was in my office at about 6.30 praying with me. And man, when he died, there was a huge hole. And I felt like I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death here. But we don't have to be fearful, just like you said, because God is with us in life and in death. I think of Paul, Philippians 121, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And yes, theologically, I know that, but then, okay, there's, <laughs> there's that death. But more importantly, I think is harder for us to face the death of people we love when we go through that valley of the shadow. It's not our death, but it's a spouse or a child or a parent or close friend. And that's really, really hard. And I used to kind of pass that off when I was a younger pastor. But now I realize after having experienced a little more of that, that's a hard thing. But again, we don't have to be fearful because Jesus is there, you know. And then we come to verse 5 where we face another kind of fear, which is our enemies. Yeah, and, and I love Romans. You know, Romans, Paul is going, well, if God is for us, who could be against us? That doesn't mean there won't be people against us. That just means we shouldn't fear them. We shouldn't be upset about that. We should see it as natural. We're going to face enemies, but we can rest in this fellowship that he promises here, this table that he's paired before us. You know, in Middle Eastern culture, eating with somebody is a very intimate act. When Jesus goes to eat with Zacchaeus, they're upset because this is an act of friendship on Jesus' part to Zacchaeus an acceptance of Zacchaeus. So when God is preparing the table before me, it's he's accepting me, he's inviting me into this intimate fellowship. But look where it's at, in the presence of my enemies. I, I sometimes picture this as we're sitting there with God, our enemies are around us, and we're able to go, man, and man, because, because he's there with us, you know. And yeah, you hate me, but hey, God is for me. So if God is for me, I don't care who's against me. Um, but he also, at the end of that, talks about anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows. <clears throat> um, an- anointing with oil was, was an act of setting apart as a king or a priest or something like that. So really, he's he's, he's fellowshipping with us at this table that he's prepared. He's cooked a meal. Our enemies are looking on and they're angry at us and he's there setting us apart to serve him. And we all have a calling to serve God. And when we do that, man, he blesses like we can't even imagine, you know? So it's, you know, I think a lot of people see serving God. Well, I gotta do this or God's gonna get up. No, we serve God out of joy because it is so much joy in serving him. And then the the blessings that he pours out on us and our obedience is just astronomical. We can't even count them.
0: Yeah. Um I, I love John Foreman, who's the, the lead singer of Switchfoot, has some, some solo, more acoustic y stuff yeah, a little less sweetfoot, and uh, he's got a song called "House of God Forever" that's based on Psalm 23, and, and I love the line when he gets to this part. He says, "You are my feast in the presence of enemies." Is, is how he describes it. They're like, "Yes, I'm surrounded, and there are people around me, and yet I'm finding myself in Jesus right here. That, yeah. that you're my feast. You're the thing sustaining me. You're the thing that that overflows my cup, and 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 I have that. And so I I don't care what all this stuff around me is going on right now, like." I can sit here and I can, I can rest in this relationship. I can enjoy this relationship. I can, I can worship God and do all these things in the midst of enemies, in the midst of darkness around me. It doesn't matter because I'm focused on this, that you're my feast. You're the thing that, that feeds me and sustains me and gives me life. And so, and and it's not just a meal, like you're my feast in the presence of enemies. You're this extravagant thing. Like, like you talked about with the cup overflowing, like this isn't just getting by, like as Jesus says in John 10, I didn't just come life i came to give abundant life you know and that that doesn't mean always abundantly in the way the world thinks of abundantly but in in its richness of our relationship with god that this is an abundant relationship that we get so much from this um and we can experience that we can enjoy that in the midst of people that don't understand it in the midst of people that don't even that that even oppose it they want to go against it that that it doesn't change you know that that's that's one of the most amazing, nobody else can change my relationship with God. They don't right. have that power. You know, Jesus talks about nobody can snatch you out of my hands, right? Like, no, if you and I are connected, nothing on this earth can separate that. And Paul and Romans, you know, nothing separates us from the love of God. It doesn't matter. There's there's no force out there that can go, nope, you no longer have a relationship with Jesus. No, that's up to me. That's yes. the, he, he's he's done everything. He made it all possible, and now that's up to me if I want that relationship or not, and nobody else can do that. And that's that's a great thing. It's also sometimes an annoying thing because that means I can't make anybody else have a relationship with Jesus. And certainly as a as a pastor, there's times where like, hey, could you could you spend some more time there? Could you could you work on that? Um, and I can't do that because uh, I'm not the shepherd. I'm just another sheep. Uh, so I can't make anybody else go lie down in the green pastures and enjoy the quiet right. waters. Um, right. I can, but I can, you can, I can set an example. Them. I can point. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can say an example. I can say, hey, it's over here, um, but I can't make, you know, you can you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, as the old saying goes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when we feast, like in front of people, when we have that relationship with God, where we are enjoying this relationship, this abundant life that he wants to give us. And so yeah. we do that. We, we feast, even in the presence of yeah. enemies. So. Yeah.
1: I was reminded today, my pastor in our Bible study mentioned, John Piper, who I've read some, but he makes this this statement that we glorify God by enjoying God. And I think there's a lot of Christians who don't enjoy God. It's almost like, well, I've got to be this way. I've got to do this. I've got to go to church. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray. i got to do this, this, and this, and this. Because if I don't, God's going to be angry and he's going to do something horrible to me. I, I don't know. I, I I never, I don't know whether I ever had that view, but in in my adult life, at least, I've never had the view of God that he's up here making me do something that I don't want to do. He's leading me in the way that is the best for me. And if, when I come to that, that understanding and can enjoy my relationship with God and where he's leading, it makes life, like it says, overflowing, abundant. Now, and then we come to verse six, which really then, connects life and death here I think because he says at the first of it surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life God will bring in our lives through his mercy good things as long as we live but the the key is I've, I've got I've got to follow that path I've got to be with him I've got to be at that table I've got to be feasting you know I can't go out here like this lost sheep and do my own thing and think that God is going to then pour out goodness on me. No, he's going to have mercy and grace. And so sometimes mercy and grace is I, I I literally don't get what I deserve and I get more. But through that obedience and through being connected with him, then that goodness just flows into my life. But then he says at the end of this, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Eternally, we're going to live in a place God made for us. I, I love John 14, 1 through three where Jesus talks about going and preparing a place for us, that where he is, he's going to bring us there. I believe wholeheartedly that wherever I'm going to live in eternity, whatever the framework is, there is a place God has built just for me. And it's going to reflect who I am in him. You know, it's going to reflect who he created me to be, because the whole process of salvation is God reforming that image in us. And so, As he prepares this place when I get there, it's going to be home. It's not like, you know, you and I both move quite a bit over our our lives at different times. And every place, and and I think particularly think of this house, because this house took a little that we live in now, took a little getting used to because it pops at night. It's got a metal roof. And so when it warms up during the day and it cools down at night, about 10, 30 at night, it begins to pop a little bit. And man, the first couple of nights we were here, I I, I couldn't go to sleep because I just going off to sleep and it starts making that noise. But that's not heaven. When we get to eternity, whether it's in heaven or the new Jerusalem, where we're going to live forever, that place he has made for us, we're going to walk in and go, yeah, this is home. This is where I was created to be. And, and that to me, as he ends that, just, just kind of tops it off. He's with us here in life, so to live is Christ, and to die is then the gain of being where He created us to be in the first place. And I don't think there'll be any getting, you know, it's not like we're going to get used to this and it'll be weird. No, it's going to be everything that we've ever, ever really wanted in our lives.
0: Yeah, and I love the way those last, you know, the goodness and, and mercy following us, it's like it's preparing us for that eternal yeah. home. Like, right? yeah you're, you're going to enjoy this relationship now and I'm getting you ready for it. But as, as Hebrews points out, all the stuff here is just a shadow of the good things to come, you know, that it, it it's not going to compare. And so, yes, you get to experience this now and, and it's going to follow you around all the days of your life. And then you're going to get to come and live with me. You're going to get to go and be with the shepherd where you were meant to be, where you were made to be, uh, you know, and then dwelling in that house of the Lord forever. It's like you said, it's not something I have to get used to. It's, it's cozy. It's, you know, all last week, we we made the grandparent rounds. We came to see you guys. We were in Albuquerque before that, seeing the other grandparents, and we love going to see people, okay? But man, Friday when we got home and I laid down in my own bed, yep, that is a nice feeling, right? Yes, we're, it is. We are working on this, this trip next summer where we're going to be in, <laughs> I'm going to sleep in like six or seven different places, right? We're going to Europe and... I'm excited for the things we're going to go see. I'm excited for some of the time we're going to spend. We're going to be with some, some other family for part of the time. And part of the time I get to to not be with them. That'll be good too. Um, that there'll be some breaks in between some of that. Cause I, life gets too people for me. I, I just want my, my people, my three people. Um, but like, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to I cannot, I, I I've been gone on trips this long overseas. I, you know, I've been to, to South Africa and Peru on mission trips and, and, it is always great to go there and to do those things and to see those things. And it is always great to just be home in my own bed, you know? And that's, that's, there's, there's a little bit of, of heaven in that idea is that, Hey, this is my spot. This is where I'm meant to be. Like, and I can finally to truly, totally rest. You know I mean? You, you did this too. I, I, I would joke with people on mission trips with youth. Like I didn't sleep. Like, yeah. not, not really. I mean, like, yes, I got some sleep so that I could function so I could get through the day. But, like, as far as, like, deep, good rest, no. For that whole week, I would be on a mission trip with kids. No. Yep. I'm sleeping. Yep. Like, like the lightest little noise is going to wake me up right now. Like, yep. I my whole brain is, is completely on and on alert. I'm thinking about stuff. I'm doing stuff. Like, no, I'm not super deep sleeping on this right. trip. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm in a room full of teenagers. Okay. I'm not, I'm sleeping with one eye open basically over here is what we're going for. All right. I'm watching. Um, you know, we get home and it, Oh man, that first night home from a mission trip is just some of the deepest, hardest Mm -hmm. sleep I ever had because I'm finally home. I'm finally home and I can finally really truly rest. And that's that the little bit that 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 is true here on earth when i get back to my phys- you know my house here in roswell and sleep in my bed yeah that's is a whole other level when we're going to be home with god yeah. and get yeah. to dwell in his house forever it's going to yeah. be a whole, whole different kind of level of rest so
1: yeah i this summer i i don't think this house looked better ever and my bed <laughs> didn't feel better ever than when we got back from our two week little over two week mission trip to to uh, to europe and asia this summer and And it was the same old house. It was the same old bed. But yeah, it was just where we belong. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, you maybe don't realize this, but when you guys were here, Grammy's Grammy. I mean, it's just like there is a joy in her. I like it (laughs) too, but there's a greater joy in her when all her children are here and she can. She can serve you. She can fix, she can do, she can make sure this is okay. And to me, that's, you know, heaven is going to be just, we're home, we're with family, and and it's a, it's 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 a rest. It's a it's a physical, spiritual overall rest. And I think sometimes we think about heaven and we go, oh, I get to see so and so and so and so and so and so. Yeah, but my biggest thing about heaven, I get to be with Jesus. I get to be with Jesus with with no barriers i i i'm in jesus now but there's still barriers because i'm human i'm in a fallen world i'm still dealing with all that but in in, in eternity it's not i'm going to be with him i get to see him i get to talk to him i get to be around him and yeah all the other people are going to be cool too but he's the coolest so yeah, yeah that's cool yeah absolutely
0: okay well that's
1: on 23.
0: 23 so uh uh, next time you're at a funeral and you have to hear somebody read that passage hopefully you got some some, some better images in there for you but uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back with you guys next week with, uh, with a new concept and those are always as I always say these are the wild cards so who knows what we're talking about next week so tune in we'll see you guys then
1: bye guys